this is Jeff Cobert with Disney at Play, and we are glad that you could join us. We begin a multi-part series that looks at the absolutely amazing details around Disneyland Paris. Today we begin at Fantasia Gardens and the Disneyland Hotels in the front of the park. We then step down just the left side of Main Street USA, which seems on the surface very similar to Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, but we'll look at details you'll never see in Florida as we peel back the layers to this fantastic land designed by Disney Imagineer Eddie Soto. Not only will we go through shops and restaurants up and down the street, but we'll see some buildings you won't find in your local town square. We'll also explore what is known as the Liberty Arcade. Join us as we look at Disney Insights on Main Street USA at Disneyland Paris. If you are even remotely considering going to Paris to see this park, this podcast series will get you to book your next trip. You'll also want to be sure to go out and check DisneyAtPlay.com because we have a lot of photos that detail the things we're going to be talking about. We have a lot of videos. We have a very... Um, the most comprehensive video, exclusive video, of Eddie Soto talking about Main Street and all of the details in that land. You, you will want to make that a companion piece to this podcast, but this podcast will get you out the door and started on this journey to thinking, okay, what is this? What are these parks all about? I've never been to Paris. I've wanted to go to Paris. It's always been on the bucket list to do this. But what is it going to be like to go there? Am I just repeating another Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World? What's it really going to be um, like when I go to Disneyland Paris? So we're going to explore all of that. By the way, if you have a chance, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast so that you can have an opportunity to... Um, uh, to uh, be reminded of podcasts as they are up and coming. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast itself. And uh, if you have a chance, share with others, uh, with friends, uh, your um, this podcast so that they can also uh, know of what we have to offer. Let's back up to the very, 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 very front of the park. It is not just a arrival to turnstiles or a, a Mickey floral portrait. It is a much bigger thing, and it begins with something called Fantasia Gardens. As you come in from the neighboring hotels or perhaps from the train station, you come to a big garden area. It's lavish, it's multi-tiered, and it pays homage to the idea that European places to visit are usually first and foremost Gardens, Tivoli Gardens, for instance, which inspired Walt Disney to build Disneyland is an example of that. So the design here was to create a sense of place that a place that you know, if it's a theme park, there ought to be a park that you arrive to when you first come to visit this Fantasia Gardens. Um, if you kind of look at it from the air, it kind of has this this kind of look like a, a clown's face, but, um, and, and there isn't a lot that says Fantasia per se, 
but it is just the whimsical nature of the gardens themselves. There are um, kind of two, the park is kind of framed by two bookends. When you first arrive, you will see a center planter with a statue in the middle. And that statue has Mickey's hand extending up in the air with a sense of waves that come around it. This is the sorcerer Mickey. And in his hand, there is a magic wand with with um, stars, with a, with a star at the end of it. This is what's known as the Disney um, Legends statue. And when somebody is named a Disney legend at D23 or at other events, they receive this statue. Not one as big as this, but they do receive a statue. And this particular one, which is done at a very, very large scale. In fact, it's the only place you can actually see the statue other than the Disney Legends Plaza, which is at the studio in Burbank, California, and that you have to have a special ticket to. So to see this statue, you see it here. And what's what's interesting is accompanying the statue is a plaque which has the name of Disney Legends, who actually um, are from Europe. And so that's what uh, sets um, this particular memorial in play. The other thing that is the bookend is a more familiar thing. It's the Mickey Mouse floral portrait. And it's just sitting there ready for a great photo. And it's very colorful, as you'll see in the photo that we show. In between the Mickey floral portrait are um, ponds and fountains and beautiful gardens, especially in the spring and summertime. These come alive and they quickly take you away from um, the urban sprawl of Paris and just immerses you into the magic immediately. It also becomes sort of a frame that sets up what lies beyond the Fantasia Gardens, which is the Disneyland Hotel. Now, this is not going to be a podcast on the hotel per se, but you can't acknowledge walking into Disneyland Paris if you don't acknowledge the hotel. This beautiful Victorian style, very reminiscent of the Grand Floridian Hotel. Um, when you, and, and in the center of it is a big Mickey uh, Mouse clock that, um, that greets you as you are arriving into the hotel. Now, there are many deluxe hotels throughout the Disney resorts. And um, some of them are pretty pricey, as is the Grand Floridian Resort Hotel or the Contemporary Resort Hotel on the other side or Disney's Grand California Hotel, which in that situation actually connects very directly to Disney um, California Adventure. I will tell you, of all of the hotels you ought to spend your money to stay at, this just may be the hotel you want to be at because while it is very expensive and not available by the minute, it has been completely gutted out and is being completely redone. And uh, it looks to be very beautiful when it fit. Well, it was very beautiful to begin with. It has an atrium a little smaller than the one you see in, um, in, uh, and, and in Walt Disney World at the Grand um, Floridian. Notwithstanding, this hotel truly looks over 
the park at Disneyland Paris. You literally have a front and center view of Main Street, of the castle, and it is perfectly framed if your room faces that direction. On the other side, it faces, most of the rooms face this Fantasia Gardens, which I just described. And it's only a few feet away from the Walt Disney Studios Paris Park. So if you're going, there's there's only one other hotel I would recommend, and it would be the Miracosta, which also does the same thing at Tokyo Disney Sea. Other than that, I they're very expensive hotels. If you're going to spend your money, this is the place to spend your money because it is truly right there at the entrance to the park. It um, now the bottom floors of it are actually where you find ticketing and where you find the turnstiles, even the attraction posters, which I got to tell you, Disneyland Paris has the most beautiful attraction posters that, um, that you can find in any Disney park. They are just gorgeous. And from there, you then step through the turnstiles into um, an area that then takes you in front of the Main Street train station. And the train station is probably a more minor looking piece. It isn't a big grand piece like the one at the Magic Kingdom because it would block the view of everybody staying in the hotel. So it's it's a more modest, but don't miss me. It's a very ornate station. We're going to talk about it in a future podcast. In fact, what I have to say is that as you go into town square you're going to notice a couple of things happening first of all the entire street all of main street is cobblestone um, secondly you'll see the familiar kind of tri triangular space um, in in the center of the uh, the little park in the center there is no united states flag in the center rather there is a gazebo which a lot of Disney characters come by and do meet and greets and a lot of folks take their photos from. It's reminiscent of a gazebo that I was actually in Disneyland back in 1955. They had a similar thing and, um, and that was there originally. It was moved very shortly thereafter. If, well, actually, I think it may have been even moved before opening day over to the Plaza Gardens, but, but, um, but they did begin Disneyland with the idea of having a gazebo in the center. And you see that same feeling there. Looking around Town Square, everything is, talk about your gingerbread on your buildings. Everything is ornate. Everything is detailed. Everything is colorful. Color is especially true with the flowers that are planted there. They are absolutely beautiful. And there are big um, garden pieces uh, throughout this there is a plaque in the middle of town square and it says quote to all who come to this happy place welcome once upon a time a magic storyteller walt disney inspired by europe's best love tales used his own special gifts to share them with the world he envisioned a magic kingdom where um uh, where these uh, motifs would come to life and called it Disneyland. I think it's where these stories would come to life. 
and he called it Disneyland. Now his dream returns to lands that inspired uh, Euro. Um, uh, now his dream returns to the lands that inspired it. Euro Disneyland is dedicated to the young and young at heart with the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. This was dedicated by Michael Eisner, the chairman of the Walt Disney Company, on the 12th of April of 1992. Remember that this park was originally called Euro Disney, and that Euro thing continues to be somewhat controversial, and a few years later it was changed over to Disneyland Paris. But you see still a lot of signs that that suggest um, Euro Disneyland. Now, Main Street alone, well, I, any any particular shop or restaurant on Main Street is worthy of its own podcast. There are so many details coming throughout this um, experience. It's just that rich. For our purposes, we're going to go up the west side of Main Street and then in future podcasts, cover each of the individual lands and then eventually come down Main Street into this train station that we spoke of. So if we do that, we're going to start at City Hall. It sits in the same place as City Hall on Main Street at Disneyland and Walt Disney World, but it takes its own architectural format, very unique compared to both Disneyland and Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. When I talk about guest relations, I talk about the fact that while there, you step in and you see a picture of this big counter where guest questions and issues are being addressed, um, but there's always a special room for someone who particularly is frustrated or needs more time and attention they can take to a particular office or um, a locale to really kind of work with them, give them a private space to kind of work through their issues. In this case, Disneyland Paris opened with not one, but four of these um, recognizing problems. But but if you look at the uh, image and, and you see the scroll work that is done and the columns that are done, gives a very, um, with these light blues, gives a very um, early colonial look, a um, Victorian slash colonial look to it. It's just a beautiful building. Now, next door to every... City Hall has always been a firehouse. Of course, the firehouse is very important at Disneyland because Walt had an apartment on the second floor. Here, we don't have any firehouses at Disneyland. What we have is what's called the Storybook Store. And this is a replica of kind of a, a cast iron style library. It's very kind of Music Man style, if you're familiar with that musical and with how... Um, Marion the librarian had kind of a, a library in which he worked at. Inside, and I can't find a picture of this, but it is in the video that Eddie records. Um, Tigger is there in a little cage to stamp your library books as you check out um, of this. And up along the top layers, you see Goofy and Huey, Dewey, and Louie and other Disney characters kind of sorting through the library books that are up on the second level. It's a, it's a very cute, very quaint store, very much um, akin to old Victorian libraries. And then rounding the corner, before we even get to the main buildings, there's a small residential home. I've never heard it really described as anything particular. It looks like something that would have belonged to the Carey family in Boston 
and Summer Magic. If you are familiar with that film, if not, you should watch that film prior to coming to Disneyland Paris because there is a major store that is dedicated um, to um, that film um, that plays out in Main Street, but it's on the other side of the street. Now, as I said, we're only going to cover the one side of the street. And Eddie's thought originally with this land was to do something that would have been a complete departure. And so he had the idea of taking what was Victorian, then encasing it in a sort of 20s to uh, 30s deco feel. In fact, he even saw putting up a railing across the means across Main Street and having a train kind of come back and forth up and down the street, kind of like what you would see in New York with trains kind of moving up and down overhead. That never occurred. Um, they, For expense sake, they just said, let's keep it to what is um, basically the model at Magic Kingdom. But I say that because while you will look at pieces like the Emporium and say, oh, that looks just like the one on Main Street at Walt Disney World, you see that actually there are a lot of buildings, um, particularly in Town Square and particularly in the side streets. Walt Magic Kingdom has one side street, Center Street. Um, Disneyland has two side streets. This has two side streets. Architecture is very different in there. And then beyond the exterior architecture, oh, that's where things get very interesting because the depth of detail in each of these stores and restaurants is just mind-blowing. But before we even get to that, there's a whole nother feature that is offered at Disneyland Paris that, um, that many may not be aware of. Of course, Paris's weather is not what Walt Disney World's weather is, nor is it what Disneyland's weather is. And so what they chose to do was to create a couple of covered walkways. Now in Tokyo, they covered the entire area, which is the Oriental um, uh, World Bazaar, um, the World Bazaar in and, and has a Main Street feel. I have to say, of all the Main Streets, that one just looks completely different and functions different. That's a conversation for an entirely different podcast that we should have one of these times. But but this one at Paris, it looks like the one at Magic Kingdom, but there are elements added that takes it to a whole nother level. And one of the things that brings it to a whole nother level are these arcades or back area walkways. You know how sometimes they'll walk you behind Main Street uh, before or after the fireworks? It's this kind of thing, but it's inside and it is totally themed out. Um, I have photos of it. This one on the left side is called Liberty Arcade. The other one um, focus on focuses on futuristic themes. I'll cover that in a later podcast. But as you walk in here, this whole um, Liberty Arcade is a celebration centered around the Statue of Liberty, and which was a gift made by France to the United States. And in here, this is a museum piece in part. Exhibits can be found throughout that show how the statue was made and, and details around the statue and what was involved. 
moreover, there is this tableau in the center of it, which features the dedication of the statue of in New York Harbor. You kind of step behind some curtains. Don't miss this because you could walk through this and not even see this. Um, you come to the area, which you'll see there are beautiful tile pieces, but there's um, beautiful flooring. But there is a particular area that that tiles out the New York Harbor and where the Statue of Liberty is. If you go up to the wall, which is this ornate mural, and if you go beyond it, behind it, kind of these curtained areas, you will see this whole scene play out from the deck of a ship at the time that the Statue of Liberty is being dedicated. And there are these men and children all looking on and um, as the as the statue is being uh, dedicated. It's, it's just... It is a detail that is not needed. It has no purpose other than it just, it just celebrates the relationship between American friends while at the same time playing a very realistic need, which is how to get through the park without getting um, soaked on by rain or even, you know, having snow on. And by the way, you can almost get all the way to the back of the park through covered structured areas if you know where you're walking and what you're doing this is that starting point for doing it it is the liberty arcade and it is truly unique i'll try to get a video up there in the next couple of days that just shows all of the details of this if you go through the arcade all the way to the back end then what you get to ultimately is the is the side of main street which then faces the castle well, to that end, let's start there and then walk back toward the Emporium. You'll find a very familiar item. It's called Casey's Corner. Casey's Corner is that hot dog Coca-Cola stand. Um, it is all baseball themed, but it is baseball themed at a level that is far beyond the touches you find at Magic Kingdom. This is, again, practically a memorial to... Um, baseball. In fact, there's a plaque, um, I can't remember his name, but whoever wants to know the heart and mind of America had better learn baseball. That plaque is sitting squarely in the middle there. They also celebrate some other sports, but but by and large, you see, and it's very cool, they've got this red, rich red wallpaper throughout this um, this area and then they have this blue tile that comes running through the middle of it I, I gotta tell you it is parquet floors it is just an adorable little stand plenty of indoor dining to this to what is hot dogs it if you it was so impressive when it was built that management took the same basic theme and went back to the Magic Kingdom. If you remember, Magic Kingdom has been called Refreshment, um, either Refreshment Center or Refreshment Corner for many years at Magic Kingdom. But then ultimately, after this park was created, they went back and changed it to Casey's because of how well this little corner piece was done. And again, it has hot dogs and things of that nature, fries. Um, next door, you come to a store called Disney and Company. Now, this would be your traditional, uh, you got a lot of children's wear, you've got a lot of plush, you got, you know, it's, it's, 
it's the beginning of all that kind of merchandise, mostly focusing on children's wear, but it's, it's, it's the decor of this room that is so stunning. They have themed it out to what is called the Pike County Fair. Pike County is in the middle of um, the Midwest, and it is a fair and carnival theme. There is a big um, a balloon with um, Mickey and Minnie and Goofy inside the balloon, and it is rising up, and there is decor. There are little scenes that depict Midwest life throughout um, the... Uh, the store and and little lights uh, that um, beam throughout the thing. The, the store is not robbed of merchandise being thrown everywhere. They really respect the decor of the store and it plays out beautifully as you as you go through the store and and you could seek out by all the way by the me by the way all of these things can be um, at, um, you can go into, from the arcade as well as from the exterior of Main Street. Afterwards, you come to an area called Flower Street. On one side, it's Flower Street, and on the other side, it's Center Street. This is really one of the major entrances to the Liberty Arcade, and it's kind of in the area where you're going to find that tableau that we talked about. But there are many elements. There used to be used to be that that the barber shop on Main Street at Magic Kingdom was found on this street. Um, and by the way, um, for many years at Disneyland and Walt Disney World, Flower Street also sold flowers, fresh cut and then also artificial flowers for as kind of that you don't see here play out. Um, but Flower Street really is more of uh, a reference to where Imagineering is headquartered back in California. And in fact, Waltz and America Restaurant, their address is actually 1401 Flower Street. It's the same as the headquarters of Walt Disney Imagineering. Now, when you step into the entrance, the lower level is a tribute to his family, images of, of, uh, of those that of Roy and Edna and and Lily and and Walt, and then you go upstairs um, to the dining rooms, and each of the dining rooms takes on a theme from one of the lands of the park, whether it's Discovery Land or Fantasy Land or Frontier Land or Adventure Land, and use Imagineering art and sculpture to to create the decor of these lands. Now, in Eddie's mind. Uh, there is no Club 33 at Disneyland Paris, or at least there isn't yet. But in Eddie's mind, it was that, well, you had to have a special membership to go to Club 33. Why don't we create a restaurant where anyone could go to a Club 33-like restaurant? That's what this is. If you ever wanted to go to something at the level of Club 33, you would go to Walt's, an American restaurant, and very hard to get reservations, work very early to do that, look for openings as they come, maybe even come and, um, during the day and seek out um, a reservation on the spot if you haven't been successful beforehand. The decor is lovely um, and it is 
It is truly Victorian. It is, and by the way, what you find in these stores and restaurants is you kind of go back and forth between masculine and feminine tones in each room, uh, in each each retail shop or restaurant that you go to. In this case, you get that next door in Lily's Boutique, which is a retail complement. You have Walt next door, and then you have Lily, and this is. I, I can't even really tell you what, well, I, they sold kind of housewares and, and you know, dinner plates and glasses and everything. But I got to tell you, there's the Victorian elegance. It's just full of graceful touches. There is um, this one stand which has different pictures of Lily and Walt on their, on their different voyages and trips and everything. Everything is just stunningly beautiful. And all this, the decor, the 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 millwork done, um, again going from the feminine to the masculine across the way is Dapper Dan's haircuts, and I gotta tell you, they spared no expense in making this thing look like an authentic barbershop. The the chairs actually come from Northern California. They're old chairs that have been completely redone. You can see a picture of the interior when um. And you can have your haircut done there. And it's it's um, right there on Flower Street. Very ornate, both exterior and interior. That ultimately is bringing us to the Emporium. The Emporium uh, is, of course, the major retail space as you exit the park. And from the exterior, you would see something similar to the Magic Kingdom. After all, this is one of the best exteriors done on Main Street is the are the poles and the um and the lattice pieces that connect the poles on the exterior the lights uh, surrounding the red sign that says emporium it's just and um it's all there just like in the same color and tones that you see on main street at magic kingdom but trust me you go inside and you see some very unique things First off, there is a, um, well, there are in many of the rest in many of the retail shops there are stained glass pieces, and this is one of the largest that you will find. This stained glass piece is is above you, and it is dedicated to inventors from Europe who have immigrated to America and it is um, and their images can be found in this um, um, in the, in this stained glass piece as you study it in details it it divides up to each one of these um, different inventors and um, for instance one of the Alexander Graham Bell, is one of those individuals. Thomas Edison is one of those. Nikolai Telsa is one of those individuals. Um, I'm pulling up individual pieces here. Robert Fulton, Henry Ford. These are all great American inventors. Alexander Graham Bell is featured here. Um, and you know what? I, George Eastman, George Washington Carver, I, I really, the Orville and Wilbur Wright, 
actually Eddie says that they're all um, from Europe from European immigrants I, are they're all European immigrants I'm not sure about that Thomas Edison is included I'm not sure about that but they are definitely American inventors that have been um, highlighted in this uh, stained glass tableau and it is again just a stunning set of pieces to see when you're in the shop another piece that is very unique when you get inside this shop is a system of conveyor belts and gears and pulleys and and they all kind of come they're all overhead um, running these little tiny trolleys on this conveyor belt between the cashiers to the back of the house and as Eddie explains it if you were to get change you had to put them into these little trolleys and then they were carried back and they provided you change and then sent the basket back out to the guests it sounds um it sounds overwhelming in terms of process but it is actually a legitimate system that was used in a retail setting and so um, and I think it speaks volumes. I've used it to really address the idea of trust and trust in your employees. And it, um, it sends a very interesting message um, with it. But like all the other shops and restaurants on Main Street, you can find detail after detail. I've only highlighted a few things and I've only done half of Main Street. We're going to move in the next podcast that we have. We're going to do these every week or two. And we're going to move to um, Frontierland, which is the first one on the left. It's switched out with Adventureland. Frontierland, Adventureland, to Fantasyland, to Discoveryland, which is their Tomorrowland. And then back down Main Street into the train station. We have a lot to cover. Details that will just um, blow you away. Again, check out our disneyatplay.com site if you want to see more photos and see videos on this i think you'll find um you'll you'll find that really this is truly the moment where imagineers spared no expense it seems to creating an experience that was beyond over the top and it has served disneyland paris well for decades now because of the quality of the workmanship and the leadership from Tony Baxter and the other Imagineers. Well, that does it for this Disney at Play podcast. We are glad you could join us and we hope that you could continue finding more magic as you visit the Wayfinder Society, which is our Patreon group and helps support this podcast. Please check it out. We'll have a link on the show notes and we want you to um, take a look and see how you can find more Disney magic you can find more ways in which Disney can send messages to your organization in leadership and customer service and managing your employees we have a whole section in there uh, tiered up to really discovering some of the behind the business magic that exists at Disney. And you're going to want to check that out by visiting the Wayfinder Society. This podcast is supported by Performance Journeys, which is dedicated to providing best 
in business ideas to improving your organization. So Wayfinder Society is a great way to begin that journey uh, because you can see all sorts of very cool things um, and ideas. So check out the link. There's some free uh, samples you can look at and it'll give you a hint of all that we have to offer at the Wayfinder Society. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being the part. And in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.